Oh, by the way, did you hear about that Mrs. Doubtfire spinoff where the guy comes back and pretends to be the mother's wife? (laughs) Ant-Man? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 365 with our review of Ant-Man. <laughs> uh, I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. Uh, as I stumbled through, we are talking about Ant-Man, which is... Uh, you know the next the next Marvel property which uh, snuck its way in here. You know it's not the it's not the big major heroes that we've been following for the last million years, but it is uh, it's a Marvel film and there's a hero in it, and uh, we are going to be talking about it. Are you excited for this, Stephen? I am, but I got to tell you, my days of diving in, debating, and discussing things are over. So, <laughs> well, that's a shame because I'm going to need you to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over uh, this film with me. <laughs> Makes sense makes sense yeah he didn't say makes sense they just cut yeah the next I, they threw that in the trailer they i guess they didn't need it in the movie i i, I thought it, it like it was a good fitting like end to that little like punchline. like i thought that was it was it was i don't know i i, I like the way it worked in the context in the trailer and then when it didn't happen i was a little bit let down by that scene yeah i guess i feel like when they when they blow a joke in the trailer like that i'm okay with them kind of undercutting the comic timing in the real movie like you well, know, they, skip I mean, to the other jokes they already had a little bit of difference because in the trailer he says stuff and in the movie he says shit so there's mm-hmm. already like a little bit of a difference you know but i guess they felt they didn't need the little stinger at the end because they were using like a big word like shit yep <laughs> so yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is starting real out talk. real great yeah this is starting out real good how are you doing chris it's been like Three weeks, I think, since we recorded anything. Or did we do it last week? (laughs) It's been three weeks since we recorded something. It's been, like, over a month since, like, people may have thought that we were still alive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, we've been talking about it somewhat, in a a sense, in the episodes that we were releasing. But uh, basically, I made a big move up here to the Bay Area and... uh, most of my evenings were spent going out and buying things for my empty apartment that were needed, like, you know, doing my normal, like, you know, I could sleep with just a sheet, that's that's all I need to do, and then the next night going, like, no, I should probably get the rest of things for bed because it was cold, and then the next night, like, you know, I'm probably going to need some things to cook on, so it, it was basically a bunch of errand running and uh, getting used to things, and then uh, Carson, who is not in this episode with us, his uh, computer decided to finally implode after the years that it's been like barely being held together with uh, like duct tape and uh, wires and stuff like that. And so he's been out of commission. You took some trips uh, to, you know, other countries and stuff like that. So it's all, all it's been a crazy um, few months, but we are here, we are back and we are ready to jump back in to being uh, the podcast that uh, you guys have been uh, knowing and hopefully loving for the last <laughs> five years. We're here. We're queer. We're ready to talk about movies. <laughs> That's right. But I do need to know, did you get all your necessary San Francisco supplies? Like your big old timey safe to uh, store that, <laughs> that suit that you carry? Because there are people, there, there's some 
people in the city who are going to break in and do some shit if you're not careful. Oh, I think I think they are. But luckily, um, I have uh, made some calls, and this weekend I'll be waterproofing my safe. Okay, <laughs> so good. everything will be good. Good, good, good. I'm actually going to make it um, out of leftover shipping containers from the tsunami that took out San Francisco a few months back. Oh, nice. I'm you a- know, I saw there's a place right next to that broccoli pizza restaurant that we both love. <laughs> 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 they just give away shipping containers. <laughs> you you want to know, like, like no joke, I kind of want to go get a broccoli pizza. <laughs> I feel just like it get- wouldn't be so bad, especially if it was like Chinese broccoli with soy sauce on it. I feel like that'd be pretty good. <laughs> No, I, like I was serious. I don't want Chinese broccoli. So, like, like the weird baby broccoli, the, the 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 tall like broccoli that belongs in the asparagus family. Like, I don't want that stuff. The broccolini, I don't want that. Yeah, that stuff's want... amazing. <clears throat> no, it, it's good. I'm I'm all for it. But in general, I want to try just like broccoli plain baked into steamed. a pizza with white sauce, flavorless broccoli. Sounds good. <laughs> yes. You just uh, broccoli's always flavorous. You got to add some like Lowry seasoning salt on top of it or something. You know, just yeah, spruce it up a little bit. That's true. Anyways, uh, what do you say, Stephen? We we don our suits, we shrink down between the atoms of this review and uh, let people listen to the trailer, and then come back and give them that review. I'm ready. Imagine a soldier size of an insect the ultimate secret weapon if you give godlike powers to everyone it's going to be chaos so how do we stop him by knowing i scott i've been watching you for a while you're different and i believe everyone deserves a shot at redemption do you Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. Makes sense. Are you ready to become the hero? Now, the suit has power. You have to learn how to control it. And these are your greatest allies. You're kind of cute. Whoa. When you're small, you have superhuman strength. You like a bullet. So you need to know how to punch. You want to show me how to punch? Show me how to punch. That's how you punch. You tried to hide your suit from me. Now, it's going to blow up in your face and destroy everyone you care about. Scott, get out of there! Did you think you could stop the future? You're just a thief! No. A man-man. I know. Wasn't my idea.
So that was the trailer for Ant-Man. Um, we have our our hero, uh, Paul Rudd, who is, you know, he's a thief or he's a, he's a, he's a, bur- a cat burglar. He's a, he's not a robber, which uh, you find out in the course of the film is somebody who does stuff that's bad. He's just he's just a burglar. He, he just breaks in and steals stuff. Um, but he, uh, you know, he's been in jail for, for stealing stuff. He did some big old crime and he's made his way out. He's trying to be on the straight and narrow, but... He uh, he has a daughter who he needs to provide for, and he has to do one last job. But it turns out this job might have been a setup, and he might actually being recruit be he might actually be being recruited by a man who has a suit that can shrink you, and he might need his help to try to uh, save the world, or you know maybe a little bit more localized in the world, but maybe you know, potentially at least one person. <laughs> Yeah, but well, I, I just mean that potentially the ramifications of uh, his mission not being successful could lead to world-related um, level of stuff if you you know expand this out to the eventualities of what it could become, right? I mean, that's fair to say. Yeah, I, I see that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stephen, you're not going to agree with me on that, but why don't you go ahead and talk about what you thought of this film? Yeah, this this movie kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I I knew it was around. I had heard buzz about it, you know, a year or two ago, and I feel like pretty much everyone was excited because Edgar Wright was in the lead, and that was like the big thing that everybody loved, and. When he was ousted, it kind of just fizzled like, a, oh, well, they're still making it, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, like it's been a while since I've seen a big blockbuster coming out where the lead in felt so like inconsequential, like nobody made a big deal about this movie coming out. At least yeah. if they did, I was in like Istanbul and I didn't know about it. <laughs> um, and, and that's not a hyperbole. That's like actually where you were. Yeah, that's actually where I was. And I, I don't mean it was inconsequential in like an, oh, this is really going to suck way. More like an Arrested Development season three way where it was just like, oh, well, this is a thing. It's happening. <laughs> you can see it if you want to. You know, like like just nobody seemed that excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like the filmmakers and promoters knew this was the effect because like even when they would tease info about the movie, it was in a really self-deprecating way. Like like the the quote we both butchered before of like my days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over or the sight gag with the train where it zooms out and it's just a little thing toppling or like yeah. I didn't come up with the name either. You know, like every little bit they released about the movie, the joke was, hey, we're making an Ant-Man movie. Isn't it crazy that we're making a movie about Ant-Man, the hero yeah, yeah. nobody cares about? And like... That's cool, but again, like it didn't make me be super pumped to go watch it. It it was more like a joke. And when I saw it, I gotta say, like, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was pretty inconsequential. Like like Ant Man himself, they shrunk the movie down to a much <laughs> more palatable size than like you know, Marvel movies, it's oh well, we can't just be saving a city anymore. A country needs to be lifted off the ground and then potentially used to destroy the earth (laughs) you know everything has to be really really big and even funny movies like guardians of the galaxy they have to make the stakes be like a planet and then the infinity stone and the whole universe and 
Ant-Man, it's basically, it's Scott Lang, uh, Paul Rudd's character. It's his daughter and his family. And pretty much like three other people like no one is really at risk in the global scheme of things in ant-man yeah Uh, and like on one hand that made it so the movie didn't feel like a superhero movie to me i know i never had this feeling of like this is the origin story and he's building into this amazing thing and i have a huge emotional arc that i'm moving with the character but it also made it be like light and fun in a way that I feel like Marvel has not been good at in the last couple movies that they've done. Like th- this movie was so much more fun than Age of Ultron was. <laughs> it just yeah. in terms of like it had laughs, it had that kind of winking comic booky style. Paul Rudd is just an engaging character. I love. I, I mean, I would watch any movie that Paul Rudd is in the lead of. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, it. It was really fun and it was really clever and I think it kind of it forced itself to not be a great or a hugely memorable movie like it tried very hard to wink at us every time it was going to be the sort of movie that would have those kind of superhero beats like you know even the romance the uh, if there is one I won't spoil it or the the major <laughs> Nice save. <laughs> Saved it. Um, or like <laughs> the the stakes of the movie and the hero and his interaction with the broader universe. It's all done in a very kind of like knowing, laughing way where they'll just throw out a couple quips and the actors will kind of mug the camera and let you know that everyone's in on the joke. And yeah. that made it be a super, super fun way to spend like two hours of my life. It also left me feeling like I could not care less if there is another Ant-Man movie. <laughs> and I also have not, like... <laughs> I haven't thought once about the plot of the movie or the character since I walked out of the theaters. Like, l- like it was so purposefully light and fun that nothing really stuck with me afterwards. So I'm... <laughs> really, not, not even Michael Pena? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm kind of torn. It was like a a really fun movie. It did what a summer blockbuster should do. Unless a summer blockbuster in the Marvel canon is supposed to make me want more of it. Because this just didn't... It didn't need that. Like, I just had a good time. And I walked away with my head completely clear. And that that was all there was to it. Yeah, I think I may have actually liked it a little bit better than you in this case. Um, I... So... So first off, I, I, you know, like you, I knew about Edgar Wright's involvement in the beginning. I had watched that that leaked test footage from like Comic-Con however many years ago. I knew that this is this a project that he was like wildly excited for. Like it was almost only happening because he, his involvement in it. At least that's the impression that I got from it. And then when I found out he wasn't going to be part, about, part of it anymore, I was kind of like, hmm, well, that's weird. This is like a character I literally know nothing about. Um and the only reason I was excited was because he was excited and involved. And now there's none of that. So what do I care? When the first trailer came out, it definitely felt like a much lesser of a Marvel film. Like it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't quite have the. It it, it felt like uh, it, it felt like if if you look at like the. Uh, it, it was like not a movie. It felt like it was going to be like a Netflix series or something like that. Like it had that sort of quality to it. And mm-hmm. I think um, 
in a way that the film as a whole had a little bit less of that like you know marvel shine to it it didn't obviously there was a lot less money being thrown up on screen um but it it had a had a really interesting um trying to think of like a non-deprecating word like i want to say acuteness to it um but that 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 makes it sound like super stupid um there there was i mean it's like you said there was a little bit of like a tongue-in-cheek to it like there's a there's a moment at the beginning where paul rudd is you know first you know having his conversation where he's like okay i can do this and um you know, he's like, he's like, all right. So I think the first thing we should do is call the Avengers, and like, that's the joke is that he's like, yeah. like, this exists in a movie where there are the Avengers. So why do we care about this like weird little superhero? But like, in a way, it's it's really cool because Paul Rudd is kind of, or, or the character um, uh, Scott is is this is the first character we have seen who doesn't have a power and didn't grow up as or didn't like basically hasn't been given real power and didn't like create this aspect of it himself. Like I guess yeah. the closest analog is is like Tony Stark, which they they make a reference to in the film during a joke. But even Tony Stark, like he built his suit. Like he has genius as a superpower and he built a suit that allowed him to do these things. Like our our hero in this story was literally just given the ability to do this not as a power but as this suit that he has to wear and he has thieving skills which which are cool to have but he's not really like he's he's not a hero like you know this yeah is, well and, and part of that is with this they decided the origin story would not be the first ant-man but the second ant-man <laughs> like yeah yeah in the comics this would be the guy that succeeds the original ant-man <laughs> because i was reading about it the original ant-man had all this crazy shit where like n- nobody liked his character and the comic accidentally <laughs> made him like abuse his wife in one of the comics and like he never recovered from that <laughs> what do you mean accidentally like like, like he you... <laughs> was supposed to push his wife angrily and then the artist drew it as like a serious punch and like <laughs> The, the character never recovered. It, it's serious, <laughs> for real. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say. Well, maybe it is. You can decide. It's Hank Pym in this movie. Like he, it's his character was the Ant Man in the comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like it, nobody liked I, him. The, the the funny thing is that in my head, as you were describing it, I'm like, I'm like, how do you mess that up? Like somebody just drew it wrong, and apparently that's the actual story yep. behind it. <laughs> Like it was just a, a really messed up game of telephone where the artist is like, well, I don't know why he wants this, but I can make him punch her. This yeah. is fine. So, so anyway, this is like the like Batman Forever of uh, is that the one the animated series where it's the new one, not Bruce Wayne. Uh, anyway, Batman whatever. Beyond. I yeah, think. Batman Beyond. This this is that of Ant Man. They were just yeah. like, let's jettison the whole origin story thing. And let's just throw you in where this technology exists and it's just a dude who did not have yeah. any aims to be a superhero. I, I was actually going to make a joke um, in the lead into the episode, but I didn't have to, to nail it perfectly. But I was going to joke that uh, this is the story of, um, of, of Pim Rose being uh, sent into the Hunger Games and then Paul Red steps up as tribute to prevent him from having to go in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good nice. times. <laughs> Anyways, there's no way to transition out of that. Nope. So what? What did you think? How did you feel? You liked it more than I did. 
No, like I, I had, I had an incredibly fun time in this movie. Um, I, there's something about it. Like, I mean, I think it, obviously a lot of it rests on, on Paul Rudd and, but, but, but also hit like, as I already joked, like Michael Pena was, was hilarious in this movie to me. Um, and, and like he, he seemed like, I don't know, like, I don't know if he, if him, the, the actor in real life was this excited to be part of this project, but I, it's almost like I feel he wasn't acting like he was that excited. He, like he was as excited to be in the movie as his character was to be alongside Ant-Man in the story. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I just I, th- their chemistry was great. Everybody's, I mean, everybody's chemistry. Like every everybody was pretty pretty great in this. Um, you know, the villain, a little cartoony to me. Um, he's very much like I'm evil because that's what the plot tells me to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I guess there's story behind why he's a little bit crazy, but I, it was sort of felt not there. Like that, that was maybe related to some canonical stuff as opposed to actually being like written into the story to make sense. Um, but like, I mean, I, I assume that the idea was supposed to be that it was sort of like um, in Spider-Man where uh, Green Goblin or Hobgoblin, whichever one's the yeah, Green Goblin, right, is the bigger one, the daddy. Yeah. Um, how he like is sort of driven crazy by his technology kind of thing. Like I, I that's sort of the idea they were going for, I guess, but that doesn't really come through in any way. It's sort of just like, by the way, I really hate Hank. I'm going to try to do some stuff, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I don't know that that was sort of a waste on me, but I do think that, that, that it, it was, it was really fun. Uh, Paul Rudd, you know, hit his arc with his family and him trying to do stuff like that. Eh, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's cool. Like it didn't really bother me. I'm really glad that they didn't go way too overly dramatic with like, things between him and the uh, you know the new stepdad or whatever <laughs> like yeah they could have really taken that um off the rails and just made it like super insanely ridiculous but i think they did a good job of kind of bouncing um that aspect to it but all in all i thought it was really fun like i, I think that i still think the test footage from comic-con when edgar wright was was going to work on it was the the action itself was a little bit more interesting like i think the the fight choreography and that was it was way more interesting than like people being looking like they're being punched by imaginary stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it's the, the fight choreography sort of looked a lot like um, if you've ever seen like Mr. Bean's like man, like invisible man torturing somebody on a subway. Uh, It sort of looked like that. (laughs) It sort of looked like that bit Um, or, but I think the, the original way it was kind of conceived, there's a lot more, zooming in and being little um and seeing i don't know there's it, it felt a little bit more kind of edgar Wrighty. um but all in all i i had i had a great time with it i thought it was really really fun and i think that you know sure the story was isolated but i, I did buy into the fact that like a world in which the the bad guys technology got out and they were like mass, if they were to like mass produce those that there would be world um uh, like ramifications that affect the entire world and not just this isolated little area of town. Um, but I, 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 I had fun with it. it. It was, it was a very enjoyable film. It surprised me how much I actually enjoyed it. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm excited for the inclusion of Ant-Man in future Marvel pro- properties, but I do think that his presence won't be, um, it won't be like a, a negative for me. Like it, it'll, it'll be pretty fun. I I can see all of that except for maybe 
his inclusion in future properties. And it's only because I feel like he exists in such a different universe, possibly a better universe, like a more whimsical kind of funny one. <laughs> but and, and that's one of the few things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way in this movie was it felt like on a few occasions they tried very explicitly to connect him to the broader Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah. like not just with a throwaway gag about Tony Stark or something, but like multiple times they tried to connect these two worlds together. And there was something about that and this kind of reminder when I was watching what would have felt like a kind of subversive anti-hero movie. It, like feeling that jettisoned into this big kind of money-making Marvel blockbuster universe. Like, I don't know, something just clashed a little bit for me. Not not because the movie wasn't good enough, just because it felt like it didn't need to be there. I no, I, I agree with you there because, like, you know, the opening scene, which connects us timeline-wise to the the old um, Ant Man and the new Ant Man, um, that was obviously, you know, there's some weird like uncanny age makeup going on, and um, you know, bringing back like, let's just talk to Mister Stark because blah blah blah. Like, there's a lot, there are a lot of things where it's like, no, we have to make this in the universe. Um, the joking ways they're doing it, I I really enjoyed. Like, there's a direct reference to uh, Avengers two, like in this movie. Um, yeah. and, and like those things, I I actually liked. I mean, it, it's clear that Anthony Mackie's presence in the film was there only to bridge the gap between this and another property. But like I. I, it didn't it didn't bother me it was more like okay i get it you're doing that. it's, it's kind of like when you watch the television version of um like i i watched like the first two or three episodes of agents of shield and it's like basically the entire episodes are just like shield's a thing remember from the movies blah, blah, blah. like it's 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 just it's not even really a fan service it's like well we have to do this so that you know they're 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 the same um or like even in the the current round of Marvel films where they're co- constantly, you know, referencing, you know, like all the different parts of, you know, like all the weird gems and stones and crap like that. Like it, it's just something they're going to have to continue to do and we're going to have to sort of like get used to it. Um, and obviously everything's going to combine and everything will be happy and good and we won't complain in the future. But it definitely feels like... It, it, whatever the closest thing is to fan service that isn't about like paying homage, but is about literally like this is here so that you recognize that it's here. Yeah. It maybe what I don't like about it and what I think guardians did very well is guardians of the galaxy. It had this different tone from the other Marvel movies and it didn't connect with them until like, by my recollection, post-credits. Like, like I don't think there was anything in the movie where they tried to make you know this is the same universe as all the other movies and look at how they're going to interact with each other. And, like, I think that made it a much stronger movie than it would have been if, like, throughout this story they kept, like, winking and showing you the Avengers doing shit back on Earth. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it... It just felt like it broke the tone a little bit because so much of the movie felt like it was kind of not a takedown. Like it, it was clearly made by people who love the comics, but it is like a very self-deprecating hero story where 
multiple plot points the moment you think it's being like sincere and you kind of feel uncomfortable about it paul rudd will say something and you realize like oh no that was the joke was how it is behaving in this cliched way and then when it cuts to scenes that are just like standard marvel universe fan service it's like you don't have a joke to cut away to anymore like you are that thing that you're making fun of yeah if that makes sense yeah, it it does. I get it. I mean, it, it's. I think what it comes down to is, he, uh, Ant Man is more of a. Like he he feels more of like a Spider Man character, where it it is this wisecracking dude who happens to have some abilities that give him a leg up on bad guys, but he's not supposed to be. Um, like I I know. You know, whatever, whatever the the canonical references to both Spider Man and Ant Man being related to the Avengers, like ignoring all that, in in general, he's not the Avengers level type person. He's just like the dude who's joking around as he completes his mission, as opposed to like being the like the entire world is on fire. Let's put it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, at least the way the characters presented to us, he's not that that big, grandiose type of dude. And I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to talk it down too much. Like the only, I'm just trying to wrap my head around why I liked pretty much all of the movie. And the moment I left the theater, it was out of my head. <laughs> like, like that was a real phenomenon where I was smiling for two hours and pretty much by like the end of my car ride home, I was not thinking about it anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I don't know what if that's the movie's fault or if it's just my fault that like my bar now for getting stuck in my head is too ridiculously high. Well, I think what it comes down to is the film was sort of monster of the weeky. Like it it wasn't like if, if pretend let's pretend that Ant-Man existed in a world where it was going to be like a season of a show that culminated in a movie. This isn't the movie. This is the pilot episode, you know, like this, Mm the entire plot isn't really of the the stakes aren't there and the quality of like the um overall events that are taking place aren't to the level of this being the the film that concludes the series this is literally like the first two-hour episode premiere to the show that gets you in like excited about watching what will eventually be the ant-man so i think i think that's kind of the way it feels but at the same time, it's still really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think the villain supports that monster of the week type thing. I mean, I, I thought he was totally well done, but Corey Stoll's character was just kind of like, his motivations were unclear, he didn't have very much screen time, and he's clearly just there to have one big fight scene and then vanish, um, which is fine. Uh, I think maybe maybe one reason for all this is the whole movie was just really short. I don't I don't know if that's just the the way it played out, like the editing. I really felt like the movie had exposition, show the buildup of the character, show him train, one big scene, and then it was over. And yeah, there's something about that that did make it feel like it was more like the the intro to a movie than a complete movie on its own. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if you think about it, it's almost like, you know how in um you know semi spoilers for the main arc of <laughs> um, 
of the Kingsman. Um, but there's sort of the aspect of like, he's not qualified to be it, but due to the events in it, he has to take on the role. Like that's kind of how this almost feels where it's like, he doesn't want to be the Ant-Man, but then he has to become the Ant-Man to, because of reasons. And then like at the end of it, it's him deciding, okay, for reals now I want to be the Ant-Man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sort of like that, that sort of arc. It's a good comparison. I I think it's actually pretty, pretty similar when you lay out the plot points like that. Except for <laughs> more major spoilers for the Kingsman. Uh, no, I won't do it. <laughs> I take it. Was it going to be about Swedish princesses? It would have spoiled both of these movies too much. <laughs> so we'll oh, just yeah. uh, we just won't say anything there. <laughs> You're talking about the sh- scene where Paul Rudd can't shoot the dog. Yeah, <laughs> like just shoot the dog, Paul. Come on. You're a burglar. I liked it. I thought there were some things. Uh, I wonder if they were Edgar Wright's influence as a kind of... Clearly, there was a fanboy involved here somewhere who had enough passion for this project that they made Ant-Man happen despite no one remembering Ant-Man. <laughs> um, and I feel like one of those things that I enjoyed as kind of a nerd was... A few times they discuss and delve into the idea of if you could keep shrinking past the point of ant size, what would happen to you eventually? Yeah. And that stuff I thought was super rad and trippy. (laughs) And I really hope uh, future movies get into that space a little more. Like the one place where Ant-Man can actually compete with the big superheroes is if smallness is the point. If that makes sense. <laughs> now, now it's turning into like some weird like Disney message. Like you don't have to be the biggest. You don't have to be the Hulk. In fact, if you were like even infinitesimally smaller than the Hulk, you might actually be able to save the day. Yep. It's very heartwarming. <laughs> um, yeah. The the my my really only big complaint about the movie is not even like related to it's just so there's the idea that like okay so the the whole way this machine works is it's it shrinks the space between the molecules in whatever uh so you're like basically becoming super dense um which means that like you are actually super strength because like you're like basically the full strength of a man but the size of an ant right that's yeah. the that's that, that's dumbing it down to the base level so the idea is that, like, you know, you can just punch the shit out of people when you're the size of the ant. The problem is the bad guy's laser beams, when they shrink down, they're not that much more powerful. They're, like, suddenly, like, micro-machine lasers that do barely any damage. Yeah. Did that seem silly to you? They were definitely inconsistent <laughs> with the mechanics. I was actually curious a bunch about how the mechanics of the, like, shrinking world actually mattered. <laughs> because, you know, that that explanation that you mentioned, it collapses the space between molecules so they retain the same strength that means among other things they should have the same mass and the same momentum when they land on something or when they hit something well there are there are scenes where he falls in the suit and like cracks the ground when he lands on it yeah that's true but it's just like they're going like 10 percent of the way there like he isn't really a man with man sized weight and man sized everything it's more like when it was convenient for him to be full strength then everything was full strength and when it's convenient for a sight gag for it to be a little thing with inconsequential effects then that's what happens 
like well, the train they're, they're, scene, like the train. If he is the strength of a man, that scene shouldn't be what it is, right? Like it shouldn't pose any threat to him. Well, that that was the, that was the joke. Is that like the view the villain has when he's like landed in the tracks and the train's coming t- towards him is like, oh, I'm gonna die, like a villain in a normal western. But then when the train hits him, it just like falls over because oh yeah, it's right on man strength. Yeah. Okay. They. They, I thought the joke that they were playing for is look in the real world how absurd this battle looks. Not like none of them are in danger <laughs> by anything. Yeah, well, they're only in danger from each other because they're, basically that fight was the Superman in like, you know, destroying the buildings <laughs> and being thrown through them when he's fighting Zod. The, the dark Thomas the Tank Engine Knight is going to come back and wreak havoc on them in the sequel. <laughs> Um, but also, I think you're forgetting about uh, Evangeline Lilly's line where she says, uh, she, when she's teaching him how to punch, how she says, because you're so dense, it, it's either going to be like a bullet or it's going to be like a gnat. You're right. I did forget that because <laughs> it physically doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Rules. I mean, come on. She totally world built that. <laughs> I revoke my issue. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> but no, I, I do feel like they... Uh, I, I guess the physics of superhero movies are never that consistent, but because this one hinges so much on him shrinking and the interplay between that and the macro world, it it felt kind of weird that when I walked out of the theater, I still didn't really know what the rules were. Like, if he were to hit Falcon, if he were to climb on Falcon or something, shouldn't that be, like, the mass of a man, like, that he yeah, feels... Yeah. And instead, it's like he could be unseen unless he wants to be seen. Which yes, is weird. yes. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of those jokes that's so dumb, but I still like it. It's okay. He can't see me. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of this. I feel like a lot of these were kind of the Edgar Wright um, tone of the movie where a character would say something and then either in a retelling or another character's telling of it, the exact same thing would be repeated verbatim. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, like, like the trailer line that we were quoting, but also every time Michael Pena says anything, <laughs> recounts any story <laughs> and it pulls yeah. that gag that I feel like I must have seen in multiple other places where like he's recounting something and then the characters open their mouth and then it's his voice doing the talking <laughs> Yeah, um, uh-huh. but still, it that just felt very much like the Edgar Wright brand of absurd fun getting wedged in, and maybe the kind of schizophrenia I'm seeing with it of like a very funny, um, lightweight movie being shoved up against this Marvel desire to have everything connect. Maybe that yeah. is like the Edgar Wright side of things, butting heads with the Marvel side that ultimately made him part ways with the series and, and this is also it would have been good to have carson on this because he would he's probably screaming at us right now if he's listening to this like oh yeah no, he hates this us. is the answer that you don't have um because he, he would know how it went but, but i mean edgar wright had you know screenplay screenplay credit on the film and like I, I remember seeing his name a few times during the trailer and i was wondering how much of that was like yeah, we're sorry about what happened, so we'll still give you credit. Like, I don't know yeah. how far along in the process it was, how much of his stuff was used 
or what was there, but... Um, I, be- I believe a lot of his stuff was used. I heard he had the script, and then Paul Rudd and Adam McKay did some rewrites to it afterwards. But I think, like, the basic bones of the script, and certainly a lot of the jokes, are still his. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I would buy that. But yeah, any, any last uh, comments on the film before we get into our verdicts? Not really. Again, I'm... I'm a little bewildered by the movie because it was so much fun and yet it managed to be so lightweight to me. And yeah, I don't know. I actually can't think of an analog of a movie that I enjoyed so thoroughly and still couldn't heartily recommend uh, the way that I did with this one. Well, here's here's this question. How was its depiction of San Francisco? (laughs) I'm trying to think when they ever showed like an outdoor shot of San Francisco. They showed like the bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Those are both bridges. <laughs> those are both real. It is funny though that like I, I, you didn't, you didn't see Terminator Genesis, but it was also set in San Francisco. Um, and um, yeah, it's just been funny that like now that I live up in the area, like seeing the city in a movie means something completely different than it has every other time I've ever watched a movie. Yeah, I wonder if people from New York City, like, every movie, that's how they feel. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. But I don't know. I think we're taking over. I feel like so many movies in the last year have been set in San Francisco. It's kind of the new thing. Well, it's kind of like, I'm assuming that uh, one of the things that makes it exciting is if you need to have some big, giant, mega corporation, it's really easy to just add land to the shore of the bay where that building can reside. Like... (laughs) As a, as opposed to like, it's, it's kind of like Tony Stark's hill or Tony Stark's mansion, right? Like mm-hmm. they just take a hill and they apply a mansion to the hill and then it works because they're not having to like pretend this building exists in the middle of a major city. So you can just kind of like tack on to the edge of San Francisco. Like that's where like uh, whatever Skynet's corporation that, that started Skynet, like that was like right there on the water in San Francisco in Terminator Genesis. So it's just like, eh, we'll just... There's like some tech company that's just their building is right here now. Did, did they even try to do that with this one? Like uh, the the guy's mansion and then the company, uh, Pimtech. I couldn't even, I don't recall where those were even supposed to be. It kind of just felt like it cut to L.A. all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember where his mansion, or his mansion, his like little two-story house was. But the, I swear Pim, Pimtech was on the water somewhere. So they could squeeze the Golden Gate Bridge somewhere in the background. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. All right, Stephen. It's that time. If you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or must-avoid, or shrunken down to infinity, which would you give it? (laughs) Shrunken down to infinity? Hmm. Interesting. I think I would give it a a recommend with a caveat. Uh, Recommend because... I think if you saw a trailer for this movie and had any thought that it would be fun, you will be at worst right and more likely pleasantly <laughs> surprised. Like, I think this movie is better than most people expected it could have been, given like the turmoil of changing directors and kind of the passion being lost from it. Uh, the caveat being, I do feel like this was a more lightweight installment than most of the other Marvel movies. And even if that lent itself to more fun, it did make it sit in a kind of weird place. So yeah, I'm not sure like a year from now if I'll remember much at all about Ant-Man. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, basically my, my verdict's the same. Um, Recommend with a caveat. Obviously, like I said, I was a little bit more positive on the film um, than you were as a whole. But uh, yeah, it doesn't quite have the um, doesn't quite have the heft of of the rest of the films that are in this like Marvel phase. Uh, you know, you know, those movies aren't great, but regardless of how how great they are, they still there's a lot of money on the screen. They're really fun, and things are just freaking insane happening. And this was very much a reduced story that plays into the universe, plays along with it, um, but doesn't quite have the heft of um, those other stories. So, I, I enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. I'm. I'm willing to uh, to watch Ant Man in the future, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that. That's all I gotta say about that. So I think that's about going to do it for this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Um, Stephen, if people are gonna find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People want to find me. They can go to twitter.com/sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at SpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. There's also a voicemail number that I never remember. And then Stephen always follows up right after it and like says it from memory. Uh, okay. What is it? <laughs> seven six zero five seven five four TSW. That's seven six zero five seven five four eight seven seven nine nine. Yes. Um, but yeah. So that's that's the number you can call if you want to leave us a voicemail. Um, next week, uh, are we talking about pixels, Southpaw, Paper Towns? What's what's going on next next week? Damn, I feel like we need to talk about all of them. Uh, I think we we, we can probably make that happen. Yeah. Of course, so we're gonna we've been have... really good about that lately. <laughs> well, I mean, every, in theory, everything's good now. We should be back. We can do it. I, I can commit to it. We're, we can at least do, do two of them. I, I definitely want to do Paper Town. I mean, want to do Pixels. I'm not sold on Southpaw, actually, but I feel like it is a, quote, big movie. So, Are, are you saying that Eminem's song doesn't get you uh, all excited? Phenomenon! <laughs> If I could do a good Siri voice, this is where Siri would start playing Phenomenon because she heard you <laughs> shout that in the microphone. Anyways, um, so we will probably, we will have at least two, possibly three reviews for you next week. Um, so, you know, it'll help make up for all the, the time off that we've had. But we're back, guys, and hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for joining me, Stephen. Yep, thanks for having me. And thank you guys all for listening. We will see you next week.